1: Welcome to Letart On Location. I'm your host, Steve Letart, and folks, when you've spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road, first as a NASCAR crew chief, and now as an analyst on NBC, you are bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. With Letart On Location, I try to bring you closer to some of these personalities I've connected with in a whole bunch of great locations. So sit back and get ready for some off-the-grid conversation. All right, our episode today for Latart on location this week is a race winner already in the 2020 season, the crew chief for, I got to make sure I get the car numbers right, Adam, don't <laughs> let me mess this up, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your background, it's Adam Stevens, so I laugh because I, I think Adam Stevens, and I think of Kyle Bush and I think of the 18 car, and I'm looking at him through Zoom, and I see the 18 car, and I see championships, but it's not the 18 car this year, it's C-Bell, a winner at the Daytona Road course, man, thanks for joining me.
0: All right, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's uh, tough to get those car numbers and faces and names all lined back up again. And I know so down uh, it's not good. I had a, I had a
1: Richmond Xfinity Series race where I had the wrong Penske driver in the Penske Xfinity car. because You know, they all switched that one year. Oh, yeah. Had the wrong driver for like 200 laps. So it's, my, oh, yeah. it's, I'm a, it's like my nightmare. I wake up having the wrong guy in the wrong car. But you are Christopher Bell. Uh, we have a lot to cover today. Just for the ones listening, this is recording early in the morning. My man, we're doing a 7.30 a.m., a crew chief, t- to crew chief type uh, podcast. So, Adam, a lot to cover. Uh, let's start with the now. Let's start with winning this early in the year. What's it mean for you? Uh, what's it mean for the team with so much of the season still ahead?
0: Well, I mean, first off, um, big picture stuff, it, it takes a lot of pressure off the team. You know, obviously a big goal for all of us is uh, to make the playoffs. Um, and spend a lot of time in the offseason worried about, points and and um you know how many points do we need if we have this many unique winners or this many unique winners blah 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 and uh it, it's a lot of time and energy goes into that and making sure that you're going to hit those marks and, and scoring stage points and doing the right things and uh knowing all all the whole time if you can win a race that all that stuff goes out the window so uh thankfully we were able to do that um short order and it kind of changes the focus so um that's that's the biggest thing, you know, and, and the second thing is just um, a little bit of a reward for everybody for all their uh, hard work in the off offseason, um, putting up with all the change and and getting uh, the teams restructured and reordered and, and bringing Bell in and getting him up to speed and, and seeing that bear some fruit pretty early.
1: So let, let's talk about that change. And by no means, you know, I, I'm not looking to dig into the closet. I just want to explain to the fans that are listening. I was part of one of these, right? I was mm-hmm. Jeff Gordon's guy. I swapped to Dale Jr. Everybody thinks we had this big swap. The truth was we swapped drivers. My <laughs> office didn't change. My shop didn't change. My cars didn't change. Nothing changed except mm-hmm. the driver in the race car. So I'll ask you the, the swap around at Joe Gibbs Racing. What are you, uh, you know, basically allowed? I'll put it that way. What are you allowed to let us know? Like, How did
0: the, the swap go? It was pretty much that way. I mean, from a parts and pieces, nuts and bolts standpoint, it it ended up being um, a driver swap. You know, it's my whole team minus my car chief. Um, I got the car chief from 20, Chris Sherwood, who uh, had a relationship with Bell from the Xfinity side. And uh, Nate stayed with uh, KB because he's been with KB his whole cup career. Um, So that made good sense and provided some continuity there. And everything else was in-house folks, you know. the the twenty team is the twenty team, um, and the eighteen t- <laughs> the twenty team is the eighteen, and the eighteen is the twenty. See, I did it again. But uh, trip over uh, the numbers. You're making me feel better. Keep tripping over them because I'm going to trip over them. So. <laughs> you should have saw me in Daytona walking into the eighteen truck. Uh, <laughs> I ran out of excuses why I was in there about the fifth time. You know, I talked to everybody, I asked every question, I sampled what food they had, and and I'm still walking in there and have no good reason why. Daytona 2011, I timed the
1: 24 car, no joke. First run, first <laughs> lap at Daytona, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's not my car. Right? Not like this yeah. is the dumbest thing, I, you, <laughs> just your brain. It's funny how it gets wired. Um, so, so listen, I'm gonna ask you a question and yours is very different than me because your resume is unbelievable. Two championships, 29 wins in the cup series, 31 in Xfinity. I, I mean, you have zero to prove. I, I was joking before we got on. You have the best background ever. I mean, you have trophies for trophies for trophies and you've earned every one of them. For me, um, only 10 wins with Jeff. When I got switched to Dale Jr., winning with Dale Jr. was a personal thing for me. This wasn't contentious between, this was me proving to myself that my hall of fame driver, Jeff Gordon, wasn't the only reason I could run up front. You have proven it for money guys. So it may be a different answer, but what did the win mean for you personally to do it with Christopher Bell? And, and it's fair if the answer is nothing, right? I mean, you've won so much, maybe it's old hat for a guy like you.
0: Um, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff, but, uh, I was asked a similar question, um, post-race and it makes you think about it, I guess. And you're asking me again. So, uh, you know, after putting a little bit of thought into it, um, the, the biggest thing to me is, you know, the process that I have developed, um, with my guys and my team, I feel like is a successful one. And there was a long period of time that it wasn't really very successful. And, you know, a lot of those, um, processes and thoughts and modes of operation are ingrained in you and they would be really hard to get out. Right. And we make this uh, swap and, and make these changes and, um, continuing with the same people and and doing the same work the same way, um, which we feel like is the right way. And lo and behold, you know, second race out it's bearing some fruit. So um that is what is rewarding to me is that it's just a reminder that yes you are doing the right things and yes as a group we are doing them the right way I
1: love that I love that people I don't think realize just the repetition the process there's so many opportunities for the ball to be dropped mm-hmm. so many moving parts uh the processes do matter uh, I want to talk about the challenge you know this question was asked for me I was on the radio the other day and shame on me for not asking guys like you because I couldn't answer it accurately um COVID is a worldwide issue. It's affected so many people in so many awful ways. I want to just talk about your role. How has your role had to change in the last 13 months? Not only trying to call races and everything that goes through it, but, but, you know, making sure everybody's healthy, make sure you follow protocol. You know, there is obviously more responsibility, whether you like it or not, that that gets dropped on your desk. How has it been to try to manage that? And have you had to make concessions on car choices and things like that because of what the, what the pandemic has done?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, when we got sidelined there, um, we were on our way to Atlanta, right? And when we were on the runway flying to Atlanta, it was all systems go. And there were just whispers of, you know, how big is this going to get? And when we landed, we didn't even get off the plane. And they told us to turn around and go home. We were going to have a one day show. And then when we landed back in Concord, they're like, now we're done for a few weeks and we'll just see how it goes so you know we're just talking an hour and a half two hours and our whole world changed you know wow. uh, and then we were um you know home and and having meetings and phone calls and nobody had any answers and um but you know fast forward to getting back to work and, and um you know the whole entire shop is separated you know you're compartmentalized. Um, uh, and screened. You have to get screened to even come in the building. And and if anybody has the ability to work from home, the, they're required to work from home. Um, so you don't see a lot of your engineers um, on a, a on a daily or weekly basis that you would normally see every single day. Um, and now, and, and as we've gone, a lot of these restrictions have have uh, lifted some, but not all of them. You know uh, and it, it did affect, uh, car choice and preparation. And well, the big thing, uh, they shut down the wind tunnels too. So, uh, you know, a lot of our development and things that we had planned, um, to do and execute and, and learn, um, just got wiped off the table because they restricted the wind tunnel hours. So, um, you know, and, and that restrictions continued. So it's, it's changed, uh, a lot of things It changed how we prepare and, and, um, uh, physically and, you know, how we approach the season and prep the whole season.
1: So well, that, that's great. That's great information for me. Great for the fans, I think, to hear. Um, you know, everyone's been affected in, in, in some degree or manner. And I think it's great for the fans to hear, you know, it is truly everyone, right, from the race teams that they cheer on to everything it is. So, so from the here, from the now, from the wins, from the pandemic, from all of that stuff, let's take a more global view. I, I joke, but I pull into my house at times and pinch myself. I'm 41 years old. I've worked in my racing my whole life. Uh, if mm-hmm. I didn't work in it, heck, I'd have a late model or this, or you were a dirt late model driver. Like, I, I don't know how we got so dang lucky, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. So so give me the nickel version, man. The kid from Ohio with a mechanical engineering degree started as a fabricator for Penny Enterprises. So everyone says, how do you get into racing? So I want your story. How did you get into ra- How did you say, you know what? Fabricator Penny Enterprises. That's how I'm going to get going. And here you are, mm-hmm. umpteen years later, uh, a winning crew chief.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, my my dad raced. Uh, he had a construction company that he started on his own out of his pickup truck and developed that into something um, fairly big for a teeny tiny town in Ohio. And we just raced, you know. Um, I remember being two years old, three years old. After dinner, I would go down with dad and we'd go work on the race car at the race car shop. And I mean, did that from the time that I could walk and remember, you know, fetching tools and holding things and, and just going to the racetrack. And, uh, I mean, I was at the racetrack every weekend in the summertime and in the fall, whatever, um, from the time that I could walk and until I graduated college, it seemed like. And, and, uh, there was a couple of years he took off. Um, but we got back into it, you know, when I got a little bit older and, and I I started driving cars immediately before I even had my driver's license. Um, I was racing dirt late models. I never raced a go-kart or anything. Just we had a chassis in the back and put it together and took me to the track. And, and that took a, a little getting used to, but, uh, Um, you know, and, and I went to college, um, to get a mechanical engineering degree to, because I thought I, if, if I couldn't find a position in racing, that it would come in handy at the construction company. Um, and lo and behold, some, some guys that, um, we raced dirt cars with and worked on our cars and helped us out, um, found their way into NASCAR. Um, so as mechanics. So, You know, I always had a couch to sleep on and and somebody to uh, come stay with when I was beating on doors. And and I I beat on every single door, Um, every one of them. Cold call. I I would just I got the printed all the phone numbers off of J-Ski and shop addresses. And I would just call and ask for somebody that I knew that I saw on TV, you know, (laughs) and it's amazing how many people I could talk to. Uh, I I called I called. let's see, Petty Enterprises and asked to talk to Richard, meaning Richard Buck at the time who worked there. And uh, I the, I can't remember the lady's name that worked at the front desk and answered the phone, but she asked me if I wanted to talk to Richard Petty. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, no, please no. <laughs> but I, I went to every single shop and and I would meet people and shake their hands and and a lot of people that I still know in the garage today, i still see, um, you know, Greg Irwin showed me around quite a bit when I was uh, just a college kid and and uh, helped me out and introduced me to people. And he's probably a pretty big reason that uh, I, I got to talk to all these people. That's awesome. Uh, you're
1: listening to LaTardo on location. We're talking to Adam Stevens, a longtime crew chief at Joe Gibbs Racing. You may know him as the crew chief for Kyle Busch, but I'm going to get this correct. Swap this year, crew chief. For the 20 of Christopher Bell. Uh, that's a great story. I mean, everybody has their own story. I got lucky, had an opportunity. You were um, hard, um, you know, hard work calling the phones. That's really amazing. Um, I, I wanna talk about kind of the transition. You, you, you're a two time champion. Um, you've seen the playoffs change, um, you, you've seen everything's happened. We've talked about the pandemic. Just talk about NASCAR in general. And I kind of move this forward. We have multiple road courses this year, a dirt race, a lot of one day shows. Is it finally where nothing surprises you? You just sit back and say, let me have it. And whatever they come up with, we're going to go race.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. You know, um, I've been in the sport since 2002. um, And that was certainly um, a different time in the sport. You know, there were you had so many cars at the racetrack. They were sending cars home every single week. Uh, Xfinity series. I remember them sending 10, 12 cars home, you know, uh, Cup Series sending half a dozen anyway. And, and you know, as the uh, economy had an issue there in 2008 and, I'll, you know, it just scaled back everything, you know, a lot less fans, a lot less sponsorship. It was harder to put a car on the track and and living through all of that. Um, and there was always talk about, hey, that they're going to really shake the schedule up. They're going to, They're going to do this. They're going to do that. We're going to move it earlier. We're going to midweek races and all that stuff. And I mean, how many years did we hear about stuff like that? Uh, Right. All the time. Every year you'd hear something. And um, but it was always oh, we can't because of the agreement with, you know, the tracks or with TV or, you know, so it's like it never got timed out right. And um, just these last few years have been a whirlwind of of change, you know, Um, probably going back to the probably started around the, when Monster came in, um, to, to sponsor the series. I don't know if that's just coincidence or, or if if that's had anything to do with it, but yeah, we started adding new venues and, and, um, you know, the midweek races I thought last year and the double headers and we're all a cool test and, and, and it just keeps changing, you know, with the, uh, all the road course events they're adding and, and the new tracks, um, you know, it seems like they kind of, once they dip their toe in the water, they, they just jumped in full force and, really shaking it up, which I, I think is awesome. Um, to me, I think it would be perfect if we only went to the tracks one time, you know, and had that many new venues, um, that probably an impossible goal, but it the more that they can mix it up and spice it up, the more it levels the playing field for, for, uh, young guys that have never been there. Right. Because they're all the same field as everybody else. And it, it diminishes the value of, um, the track tests and, uh, and, the, tire tests right when when you can only um, when you don't get there right if nobody goes then then it levels that playing field and and uh, it's just fun to go figure out a new place and be the be the first one to do it well you're gonna have some fun this year then we got coda uh,
1: we got the dirt at bristol nashville um road america you i don't know i've probably not been there with an xfinity car you're i'm not sure your timing lines up but a lot of different yeah, tracks we, we went there too. a couple times Yeah. oh see so your old hat when we go up to road america then yeah i know where the bathrooms are uh, that's a good start <laughs> hey listen you got to start somewhere that's good information It's some of the new tracks you go to um we're talking to adam stevens and for those that are listening at 7:49 in the morning all right um People always ask, take me through a week, take me through this. Just take me through a day. What time do you get to work every day? What's opening bell for Adam Stevens?
0: Yeah, well, it depends. If it's a school day, which most of them are, um, I like to be at home when my kids go to school um, so I can see them in the morning because there's a lot of nights are, that I don't make at home for dinner. Um, and sometimes you always plan to, but sometimes it, you just don't. So I want to make sure that I see them at some point in the day. Um, so I try to get here about between 7 and 7.30. Um if if we need to be here early, we'll be here earlier. But uh, generally, every day's different. You know, Mondays we have a lot of meetings. Um, Tuesdays pretty much um, limited meetings and mostly a pure work day. And uh, Wednesday is a lot of prep for that weekend. Um, Thursday you're hopefully finalizing all your stuff. Maybe you're going to the simulator and, and running some more sims um, and trying to get it narrowed down. And and you know today's Friday, I guess. And uh, hopefully we're going to be loading the Late this afternoon mid- or middle of the day. And, um, but you know, it's so weird. I'm still so used to the old schedule where we were the trucks left and, and, you know, we were flying out Thursday nights uh, and you were loading Wednesday nights or Thursday mornings. Um, I'm still used to that. I'm still trying to get used to this new schedule with no practice and, and, and uh, leaving Saturday nights or, or Sunday mornings. But uh, it, it's, it's good because um, you don't have to have as many late nights. Um, because the trucks leave so much later. But all those things that you were only getting 80% detail on, um, you know, with the more compressed schedules, you have a lot more time. So now you're getting up into the high 90s and really digging through uh, a lot of details. And you have to because you don't have practice to sort things out. So um, you have to really kind of all those things that you would get close and and fine tune in practice. Um, you got to do it right here in the shop now.
1: Um, all right. Well, I'm going to end. We, we talked about um, you, uh, son of a construction guy that raced. So you have two sons. So just real quick, are they racers? Are they football players? Do they have any idea what they want to do? Mm-hmm. I get this asked a lot. My son's a football player, piano player, okay. does race some, he
0: kind of does it all. How about your two sons? Do you uh, have some
1: racers in the family
0: or? What, what have... uh, I mean, if, if I left it purely up to them, I I think we might, but uh, uh, you know, they're kind of at the age too, where, whatever they're doing right now is exactly what they want to do and when they put that down they probably won't think about it or talk about it for a month you know what i mean so (laughs) i'm trying to really uh ingrain in their brains that if racing something they want to do it's not something you're going to dabble in you know you're not half in and half out uh it's it's full bore it's (laughs) it's uh pull all the stops and you're going you know and uh that's not something that they've really been exposed to um, in in their own lives, other, other than on the sidelines. But uh, they're sticking ball kids right now, you know, a lot of baseball, a lot of all football. Right. We got our first uh, tackle football season coming up with my oldest, and uh, he is so pumped. And he, he's um into it big time. Like every day, we got to go run routes if I get home when the sun's out. And he's working out and running and doing all the stuff. So he, he's super pumped. Man, that is awesome. That is awesome.
1: Well, Adam, listen, man, I know you're busy. I don't want to take any more of your time. I appreciate your time today. It's always good to get to know somebody. Personally, I want to thank you. You're always super helpful. Text messages, calls. um, You're always been great to me to try to help me bring the race home to the fans, man. Good luck the rest of the year. Congratulations on a win. Uh, Excited to see you when I go back up into the booth the second half of the year and watch you make a run into the playoffs.
0: All right, Stevie. Thank you, man. Anything you need, you know I'm there for you. All right.
1: This is Adam Stevens, crew chief for Christopher Bell at Joe Gibbs Racing, a win already in the books in 2021. That's a seat at the table in the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch as we head into the rest of the season. Well, this has been another episode of LaTarte on location. As always, subscribe, rate, and review. Hit me up on social media at Steve Latart on both Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate you following and let me know who we should talk to next.